0: Listener Production. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already. With me, Ursula Carlson, and this week I'm talking to Anita Wiglett. She's a drag queen, entertainer, TV host. She's been in the Navy. She plays a trumpet. And look, the stuff we talk about in this week's episode is just hilarious. We talk about how the best acting you do is when you're pretending your carry-on luggage is under five kilograms. We've both worked Mardi Gras before. There's so much going on. Also, you would have seen Anita on RuPaul's Drag Race. So listen for all the inside scoops right here, right now. Shh, that's quite enough oh, just, just shut your mouth. I don't oh, give a stop. Enough is already? It? Shush, please, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, I can uh, hear, but down, I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Can I just say, for the, for those of you playing the home game, Anita is massive green hair. Green frock, makeup to the tee, and I'm sitting in a yellow hoodie um, with, I think I put some foot cream on my face this morning. <laughs> I did brush my hair, not that you can tell. Um, yeah, so you look like, you know, you're on the way to fucking Mardi Gras and I look like the lesbian working on the flight. <laughs> How long does it take you to get into full drag?
1: Oh, well, uh, this might shock you, but I'm actually what you would call in the trade a natural beauty. So I actually, <laughs> uh, I kind of look like this all the time. I just kind of wake up, get out of bed, and I, I look very sexy. And all honestly, oh, inside the secret, yeah. it takes about an hour. I've got a lot of nose to cover, so 45 minutes goes to the nose alone, really.
0: <laughs> honestly, it'll take <laughs> me longer than that just to, you know, sort of get the mascara going, you know. Let me ask, because we ran into each other at the airport the other day and my very first thought was very courteous with a scrambled eggs lid because a lot of people close it. But then I thought –
1: Oh, I will always leave my eggs open for you.
0: (laughs) I've heard that about you actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is my question – as soon as yeah. we, we parted with our scramble eggs, yep. I was traveling with just a carry-on that day and you were going to do some shows in Sydney. And I'm like, how many bags do you travel with yeah. when you go overseas? Well, it depends if I take my husband or not because he's a plus one. So uh, oh. I usually
1: uh, – Do you put him a, in the bag? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a tired <laughs> old one. He needs a zipper replaced. I <laughs> take – I probably take about uh, – a two reason being i take two is because i'm a i'm a cheap lady so with cottage club which is amazing you get your your bag and then you get a free yeah. one so i usually cram everything in but i do the kind of the old the trick of anything heavy i put in my carry-on that's yeah. the biggest acting game of my career trying to lift like pretend that my carry-ons is <laughs> in the five stages
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, and then it buckles, the overhead buckles above your head. True. And the worst thing is when you go there, they're like, cool, so
1: uh, do you know the contents of your bag? You're like, yes, I have a lady inside. And I, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like you've, you said one of the your highlights, right, of your career was working Mardi Gras. I've hosted Mardi Gras before for SBS, and it was a uh, fucking amazing. Like it was yeah. one of the highlights of my life. It was super hot. I nearly melted. Into yes. my, you know, into a puddle. My makeup lady literally cried <laughs> at the end of the day. So tell me, when you were doing Mardi Gras, what was your day like? Like, what did you do? For sure. So, Mardi Gras, last time I was there, I was working for a festival called
1: Broken Heel, which is um, in Broken Hill in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And they do a, a Priscilla festival once every year. And so I was over there representing them on a float. So it's really easy, really. All we do is get a uh, horrifically drunk and then you stand on a float and you kind of have some some dance moves that you try and remember and you kind of just wave to people and it was honestly so much fun so we did that one one day and then we had an imperial at the imperial we did a takeover of priscilla shows and uh, i so i started drag because i saw priscilla the musical and it was sort of like a a full circle moment and i got to go into sydney uh, and where they filmed part of priscilla at the imperial and i got to perform a priscilla show and it was just so fun but my gosh it is so hot there
0: when i was hosting it all the floats are ready. Like there's a whole yeah. area with a float circle and then they come out one at a time and people are waiting with the floats. Yes. So even like like you can preload all morning but then oh you have to God. go stand for four hours by your float <laughs> and then you're like, well, I'm not running to the Portaloos, oh, which absolutely. is, you know. So now you're just stuck at this float and then I'm running up and down interviewing people and I'm doing the whole street up and down, up and down. (laughs) Every time when I go up to a float, I'd have a drag queen hug me or kiss me as you do. You know, you're sort of swept up in the moment. Mardi Gras like, like gay Disneyland. Like it is the best place for us, right? So it was just amazing. But like just that, me hosting, not even being on a float, was about a 20-hour day. So did you sleep at all that weekend of Mardi Gras? Oh,
1: God, not much at all. It was, to be fair, it's like, um, so Mardi Gras is one of those things where you go over and you've got your professional duties and you've got your, your floats and your shows and stuff. And the rest of the time is literally you're like, well, I'm in Sydney and it's Mardi Gras, so it would, it would be kind of morally wrong not to partake in drinking. So <laughs> to
0: yeah. be fair, I think, Yeah, because this stuff all day. Uh, all
1: day. I would say probably about, yeah, three three hours. I think before my flight back to Auckland last time, I had about three hours, probably three hours of very drunken sleep when I woke up the morning. Definitely yeah. still drunk, but still had my scrambled eggs in cotton club. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen. Let me ask you something. Let's let's talk about the darkest shit about this. I mean, we've got the older Christian ladies here too. Even at my kids' school, I've got a woman who has a sticker on a car saying "Protect your kids from the gay oh, agenda." Well, she sounds like a Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> oh know, I made a T-shirt that says "Gay Agenda" that I go and pick the kids up. Oh, in.
1: I, if, if you need me to pick them up one day and drag, let me let me add it.
0: <laughs> oh fuck, I would love to. But now that's my thing, right? It's like now. Um even in Taranaki the other day because now mm. at the libraries they've got drag queens reading for the kids. Yeah. I know you've done this too and now there's all these people going absolutely ape shit about it and how it's bad for the kids. What is your take on that? like what do you say to people that are, Against that Well honestly First of all I think we need
1: to Think about the sheer miracle That a drag queen Can actually read First of all (laughs) And so I mean (laughs) Honestly If I could read I wouldn't be doing this For a living That's for sure But I think that I think that in the world, it, it, it's so hard because people are so close-minded, and and they see something like drag queens reading to kids, and they just genuinely don't understand what we what we do. I think if those people were to come along and see a drag queen reading a book to kids, they'd realize that these books are so amazing about how like this little teddy bear wanted to love the male teddy bear, and and, and and that's the sort of stuff, and that, and that's fine, and it's not like it's not like hey kids be gay. Be trans. Put on a dress. Yeah. It's not that kind of thing at all. It's like these beautiful stories that encourage kids to be really nice people. And the parents that come with their kids are so awesome. And the kids think they're princesses until they realize they're princesses yeah. later on in life. And it's just like the most beautiful, some of the most satisfying work I get to do is is seeing these kids and how much they enjoy and how much they don't judge people is so inspiring for me. Yeah. And, and then they, these people with picket signs outside be like, you recruiting a gay army. It's like, oh, my God, if I could shoot. Can you imagine me with a gun? It would be like Ronald McDonald's for the knife. It's not, it's not worth it.
0: <laughs> no. I had old straight ladies read me stories, and I didn't turn into an old straight lady. I turned into an old lesbian. So I don't understand, you know, when people get so fucking worked up about it. I
1: know. And it's the people that don't go to these events, they just kind of assume that I don't even know what. It's like straight people sitting at home, some straight people, uh, sitting at home being like, oh, these gay people are up to something and I don't like it. It's
0: like, what? Come along. It's free. Come along and have a look. Yeah, Yeah, I think, and this is honestly, this is why so Mardi Gras – is such a fuck for mm. people because they're just out having the absolute time of their lives, and it's confusing. I think it's confusing. They're like, why is this so much fun? We aren't having this amount of fun. There must be something dark and dangerous going on. Totally. Um, and this is why they're getting worked up. I mean, you can never
1: trust somebody that likes rainbows, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's true. I, when I, I remember when I was growing up and being gay was something I remember when I came out to my dad and my dad had a chat with my older brother and my older brother was sort of saying, well, like if if Nick, which is my boy name, if Nick, like I'm sure if he had a choice, he wouldn't be gay. And I, I remember thinking then, like, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be gay. I would just want to be like, quote unquote normal. But now I look at it, I think we are so lucky being gay or being a part of the rainbow community because we have so much fun i mean we've got because we've got yeah. drag queens doing shows like clubs what not have a straight club a sweaty dj
0: <laughs> yeah i know i when i came out my mum said i i didn't i don't wish this life for you because it will be hard especially in africa you know where they still yeah. you know it's it's real foreign like you could be a vegetarian, which is also <laughs> totally unacceptable rather than gay. If this was a choice, I wouldn't choose this mm. either. I just wouldn't. Like I would just like to just, you know, sort of blend into the background and not have this thing. But now I'm like, yeah, it's true. It's like, it's just fabulous. Like like there's an energy about a gay bar mm. and a gay club that you cannot get anywhere else. And
1: also at gay bars, the toilets go off. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's where it's at. I know. When was the last time you were in the viaduct and you had to keep the door closed? Not for a
0: long time. (laughs) But now you've got a TV show um, that you're hosting on House of Drag for Warner Brothers, which I think we should put out a bit of a petition to make it Warner Sisters. Yes, I agree. Where did the sisters go? Uh, What are they doing? Warner people. Yeah, yeah. Just Warner. Let's make it Warner. So – There's definitely representation. How important do you think that is? You know, and at what point did you lock in and have you locked in your sexuality? Oh, yeah, I love it. Um, I think, well, representation on TV, it's, it's so important, but just because, well,
1: obviously, as we touched on, when we were kind of growing up, we didn't have these kind of, gay sort of people to, to follow and, and to idolise. I mean, the closest we had in New Zealand was Helen Clark. And, and we still don't know about
0: it, really. Very important. Very important rep for that one.
1: Very important. So I think that by having sort of drag... And I'm actually going to be on a um, thing, a video thing for a kids TV show on TV too. And uh, and having that sort of that visibility for a community is so important because it just makes people see that, like, oh, there are people like me. And I, and I guess in like a obviously similar but extremely different at the same time i guess in terms of america and their the black community there as well how yeah 50 60 70 years ago the representation on tv and media was sort of not much or or negative and now it's so sort of part and ingrained because it's so part of the culture there uh, and it's so celebrated that people can watch i don't know some of these people like rupaul or oprah and say like oh when i grew up I want to be like that, that kind of thing. So I think it's really important. And for me, sexuality, uh, the other part of the question, sexuality is so on a continuum. And some days I'll see like a beautiful lady and I'll go, ooh, and then I'll go, oh, no, no. I really still want a penis. <laughs> I think it's sort of like, I think for me, I think when you... um because I identify as a gay man and I think once you kind of yeah. identify as a gay man you kind of like pretty firmly in that court sometimes some people dabble a little bit on the side but I kind of um, <laughs> I can see why why bits and pieces on a lady are attractive I just kind of yeah. like uh, my life has steered me in a <laughs> other directions I think yeah. every time I get a whiff of a whiff of a puss I kind of like uh, you know uh, I still <laughs> think sausage is the way to go <laughs> you got to Colorado, the scrambled eggs or the, or, or the cheesy cragskies <laughs>
0: We're back in the lounge, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, um, so you hosted Adele's After Party when she did a world tour. Did you meet her? I did, but I was like, okay, would you like the truth? Yes,
1: please. (laughs) It it sounds so impressive, doesn't it? Like, Anita Wiglet, she's done the the after party of Adele's World Tour. And and, and in many ways it's true, but also it's not as nice as it sounds because basically we got, it was at the... Fisherman's Club, I think, oh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it's basically yeah. this little skyscraper and it's a rooftop bar, amazing views, and a lot of sort of celebrities like Justin Bieber and Adele have their after parties or had their after parties there. And um, we got asked by the venue to do Adele's one. And we're Oh, very exciting. Of course, we we'll would do it. And so we, we got there. We're waiting outside at the front and we're just sort of waiting and waiting an hour passes by. <laughs> and we sort of call each other, like, up. Uh, uh, are we allowed? Are we coming in now? Because we're sort of employed to to sort of host and mingle and, and uh and basically, long story short, this is what we got. But Adele didn't want us to arrive until she'd gone. So so we sort of were waiting. We've been waiting for about two or three hours at this point, and suddenly the door opens and then out shoots this sort of a couple of people, uh security, Adele runs behind them, hops into a car, the door closes, and we're like, ah, oh, great. Well that was our moment to beat Adele. And the car drives for about a metre. The window winds down. She goes, you look beautiful. And then she drives away. Oh and we were finally allowed into the club then. And so we got to party with all of her, um, her backup singers and her band and the whole production team. So we got sort of got to see Adele, but it wasn't sort of the, the glamour that it looks like it is, What I quoted on my website.
0: <laughs> on paper, yeah. So you were on Drew Pauls, and um, I was very proud because New Zealand was very well represented. You won Miss Congeniality, even though you got voted out early, which I thought you were wrong. I know. but It was bullshit. Then came back as Miss Congeniality, <laughs> yeah. which, I mean, could you ask for any more than that? No,
1: it was so nice. I, well, I could have asked for it to come with a money monetary prize, but, hey, I mean, <laughs> we can always dream, eh? <laughs>
0: like you said to me like now it's finally cuz you've won when you were in Vancouver when cuz you were studying music like you and you were in the navy playing trumpet right. like you have such a wild background <laughs> like absolutely fucking wild it's like so you were in the navy New Zealand navy playing uh, as a trumpet player yeah did you get to wear the navy uniform i
1: did and i got to blow for a living and not just the trumpet <laughs> <laughs> It was so much, but the uniform is so nice. The only problem is, is that yeah. because you work in the Navy and you're in the military, and I'm a, a lot like, um, when I'm out of drag, I'm a little bit more toned down. But still, when you can't help looking at everyone. And, God, there's so many beautiful specimens in the Navy. I, I, like, honestly, we talked about if I could maybe be like on the, the continuum a little bit straight after working in the Navy. I don't think there's a cat in hell's job. <laughs>
0: no honestly I I think just when you see um everyone in their little Navy uniforms you kind of go I think it doesn't matter what your sexuality is I think you question a lot of things I think so. you know you go wow oh. in the back of anyone's mind they have that thing where they go I actually wouldn't mind going to prison for like a week and just to see what it's like <laughs> I reckon
1: that'll be a great TV show.
0: Yeah, and the same with being in the Navy. I just want to be in the Navy or in the Army for a week just to see. see. That'd be great, So we're all bunking together, are we? That sounds fun.
1: I I always thought it would be fun to be at one of those – uh, like at a rugby game because uh, then it, the showers afterwards. Although I think they've started like giving you more privacy, which is very disappointing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is very – that does not play well in my little, um, you know, roller decks of, of videos that I like to play when, you know, I need to. <laughs> so you want RuPaul's, you want um, – Miss Congeniality, but you were in Vancouver and you won. I was Miss Vancouver's next
1: top drag superstar in two thousand. Superstar, yeah. I wasn't sure whether to take drag with me because I sort of dabbled in drag in Auckland. And I went over to Vancouver to study uh, my master's in music and trumpet performance, which I love doing. But um, as I did, thought, you know, let's take a costume or two. What can happen? And there was a competition advertised on, I don't even know where I saw it. I just saw it probably on Facebook, and I said, "Oh, I'd love let's give it a go." And I ended up; it was a month long competition, and I ended up winning. And it was kind of like the such a turning point for me, thinking that drag became suddenly so much almost as important as music at the time. And and now, obviously, drag is my my living. But it was just so much fun to to be in Canada and doing something, dressing up and having fun.
0: When did you start doing drag? At what point did that become a thing for you? That cause- yeah. You know, like, how does that even dawn on you to go, oh, hang on a minute. It's just, I'd never even heard of
1: a drag queen, really, like my most of my life. And then when I went to university, I studied at Auckland Uni for my undergrad. And like a good homosexual, I got a job at the theatres working as an usher. And in 2008, we had the musical Priscilla Queen of the Desert, or Priscilla yeah. Queen of the Desert, if you're dyslexic. And, um, <laughs> and it was so brilliant. I saw drag queens for the first time, and I thought, you know what, I really need to... Go to the staff Christmas party in drag. And I really would love to have my 21st birthday party. I'd love to have it facility and do a, a drag show. So mm-hmm. I did those and I had so much fun, especially doing the drag show, the performing and having a laugh. And I decided to contact a local gay club, which in Auckland is family bar. And I said, hey, I'm a, a new drag queen would love to, to do a show with you. I, I hear you do shows on Fridays and Saturdays. And they said yes. And, and I kind of just started going from there. And, and I kind of always treated drag as as a business and I'm I'm sure you'll probably find this too in the world of sort of comedians and uh, actors and drag queens and dancers and things creative people are often uh like so wonderful and so talented but often like they are not very good at replying to things like the business side of things is like a little bit sort of like lacking in a way and so because for me I love drag and I also love business and I love sort of at the moment I kind of I have a manager for my like so should we just start but like some sort of self-manage and, and I love it so much like the business side of things that in the end like putting them hand in hand it just kind of created a really cool career and now I, I kind of treat it like a business and I, I get to do some really cool like Jacqueline Queen Dinner theater events and all sorts of fun things.
0: Yeah, because you're you're out at Kalutsi and yeah. um you're the host there and That's right. How good is that? And the amount of people who go that I know and this is kind of this is where the the barrier is, right? where straight means the community. So so many people go, for our Christmas party, my brother um, and their company had their Christmas dinner at Kalootsy's. It changed their perception, which I really like. Oh, that's awesome. And I feel like that's the beautiful thing of Kalootsy. So it's been around for 26 years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and
1: I'm lucky enough to be one of the co-owners Makita, uh, And so we've owned it for six yeah. years now. And one of the things that I love, Amazing. it's almost like, Kaluzi for the longest time and still to a point is I think is people used to come to kind of see what the gays were up to and like oh those gays they're so fun <laughs> and so they would come to Coluzzi and experience that and it's sort of now we're going kind to of get like at the start of the night you get some guys that come in and they're always a little bit awkward they're a bit threatened because they're just and they're just unsure they don't want to get picked on and and so once they've kind of been and they realize that actually our sense of humour is basically the same and and we just love to have fun and laugh and joke and and have a few drinks. They kind of, they just don't want to leave. it's like Disneyland for men, basically.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know what? Honestly, that should be, you should get a fucking community service medal for what the work you've done there. (laughs) You're going on tours soon. You've written a show. Yeah. what is your process? Like how do you write and show? Because is it an hour show? How long it's is the about,
1: show? Uh, there's two versions, like an hour and 15 or an hour and a half, depending on crowd participation. Uh, yeah. But, um, oh, God. It was so hard to write a show. It's my first ever show that I've written. And um, I honestly, like, I don't know how how you do it, Esma. <laughs> I need advice because the way I, I did my show is uh, I, I kind of thought, we touched on before that my life has been so stupid. Like I was uh, born of a Catholic and I was an older boy to the Navy and being a professional trumpet player to leaving the Navy to be a full-time drag queen. I thought my life is so stupid that it, it, it's funny because it, it's so ridiculous. That So I wrote a show basically about my life because it was what I, I kind of know so well. So and I use a lot of sort of photo references of uh, like me in my early days in silly and silly dress ups and my early days of drag when I looked, awful. But my gosh, it was so late. It was so hard to write. And that's with photos and little videos and drag shows. I have so much admiration for you for, for standing there with a microphone and having that much material.
0: You want to get them to a point where they... Um you know, sort of really know you and you feel comfortable that you have shared enough, but not enough where they leave and they go, I almost feel scared for this person. <laughs> you know, like, like, are they okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how people are reaching out and go, Hey, I was just at your show tonight. Um, we're all quite upset. That, yeah. That's not what you
1: are. <laughs> I'm such an open book as a person. So I feel like I overshare as a person way too much, especially when it comes to like talking about wedding yourself and things like that. I am all over the <laughs>
0: I think it's good. I think the stuff like that is great. If more of us share, then there's absolutely no, you can't bully anyone. Totally. Bullying will become a thing of the past if we all just share exactly what's going on. And I on. kind of, not a
1: conscious effort, probably because I'm too lazy and I can't bother to to make myself more pretty, but I
0: kind of, I love to
1: show on, on social media that actually, like I'm sitting on the couch, I've got half a beard and I've got a double chin. Like, <laughs> and, and that sort of stuff, because yeah. I think that by showing showing those things that are kind of like what people would consider embarrassing or that, or not sort of filtered. People really connect with those, I think, and, and they really sort of yeah. see a friend in you.
0: But I think your, your tour is going to be fucking amazing because you're already, like you're a performer, obviously, um, and you're used to being in front of people, and that's already 90%. You can connect to people. Yes. So 90%, it's already going to be amazing. Thank so if you. you get a chance, if you're, if you're playing the home game, do go and see the show. Let me ask you... Um, Anita, what shits you to absolute death about other people? What's the one thing that you go, I cannot fucking handle this shit? Oh, what is that?
1: Um, probably uh, when somebody makes a claim, like a, a, like a lie essentially. So in the drag community, this is a little bit sometimes, I think in any community people will sort of, up and like, oh yeah, I did this. Oh, I got paid three thousand dollars to do this, and then you know for a fact that they got paid two hundred dollars to do it or something. And so it really annoys me. I don't get annoyed very often, but when somebody kind of makes a blatant claim that you know isn't true, you're like, oh, well, because they want to make themselves feel feel better or or give them more gravitas. I think lying that really that gives me the shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I fuck it, and sometimes it's so obvious, and you're like, yeah. I know you're talking shit. Everyone knows you're talking shit. Why are you doing this? I don't.
1: It's like that I Oh, Sometimes it's good, though. Like my Adele World Tour after party. It's like, oh, yeah, let's let's keep the lie going with that one. Yeah. It's still true (laughs) to a point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I interviewed Cher when I did Mardi Gras, right? Um, And I've got about 300 photos of me interviewing Cher. Um, And it was maybe, maybe a 60- 90 second interview, but when I, um, you know, because there's so many photos and there were so many different facial expressions by oh. her that it could easily have been a 10 minute talk. <laughs> now I'm fucking Oprah on the side of the road
1: here. I'm looking forward to watching your share special coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> 60 minutes. Hey, um, so what about you? Shits you. What's the one thing about you that you go, if I could just stop that, that would be amazing.
1: Oh, you know what? I've got like a weird like internal stutter. <laughs> it sounds like I've got going down the hill. Oh, so in my brain, you know, when you're thinking, you're like, you are in the kitchen. you're like, oh, I think I'll make a coffee. In my brain, I'll go, oh, I think I'll make a coffee, a coffee, a coffee, a coffee. <laughs> I don't know why. Probably because I need a coffee. Yeah. So not all the time. And that just like throws me, uh, it, it's so irritating. And I know it's just like a. It's nothing wrong with me, I don't think. I think it's a habit that I formed somehow. Yeah. Um, and so I, I used to yeah. do all these weird things. I, there was a time when I was younger that I could only read aloud as well. I couldn't internally read because I'd stumble over the words. Maybe I'm just dyslexic. Or yeah. I've got something going on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a weird. Uh, I think I've had I had that that weird echo thing for a yeah. bit. Like. In my early 20s, I think I had that where I'd go, exactly. go lock it, lock it, lock it, lock it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, stop saying that. I Fuck, I hope this doesn't bring it back. Know. You know when someone's got an earworm yes. and they sing the song and then you sing this. You better not have fucking reactivated so this in bad. my head Anita.
1: If I do, we will we will figure out a way to, to combat our status together.
0: I'll go on tour with you. like I'll be like a groupie and heckle you at every show if it, <laughs> if it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. But you'll be like, Anita, you You
1: suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. I'm like, oh, she's on it again.